you're using the Bibles in the seats, that should be on page 782, Acts chapter 15. This is a passage we were going to look at together back in February, the day that we got snowed out. And we were doing a series at the time on being spirit sensitive and dependent. But I I held the passage back till this morning because it fits nicely with what we've been learning in the book of Galatians. Uh, Can we have the slide up? We don't get to choose where the road goes. We just get to choose whether we stay on it. And how do we stay on the road? Well, it takes open eyes, right? We've got to keep our eyes open and on the road if we're going to stay on the road. When we close our eyes, we lose our focus, bad things can happen. You know, this is true of our relationship with God. God is in charge. God is at work in our lives. God is the one who paves the road before us, guiding us in God's ways. And so the question for us is, are our eyes open? Are our eyes on the road? Thankfully, in God's mercy, we don't always smash you into a tree the moment we leave his path. But sometimes we might. All right, we can take the slide down. Keeping our eyes, or keeping my eyes on the the path uh, that God is guiding me on is something that that I'm still trying to learn to do. Um, To keep my spiritual eyes open and to stay focused on God's guidance. Just as an example, sometimes before I prepare a sermon for Sunday mornings, I, I take time to pray. I Uh, Take time to really ask God to guide me, to show me, to show us what he wants us to learn, uh, to hear from him, from his word, and how he wants to speak to us. Uh, Other times, though, I forget, (laughs) and I just kind of dive right into study. I dive into preparing, and and maybe I get to the end of the week, and I think, wow, I don't think I even prayed about this. I, I better stop and do that now. So I'm still learning. I'm still learning to get in this daily, moment-by-moment habit of paying attention, of listening, of being aware of how God is guiding. And that's what today's passage is about. This story here in Acts 15 is the story of the Jerusalem church getting together to face a big decision. This is one of the, the biggest, most key turning points, in fact, in the whole story of the New Testament. It's a huge curve in the road that, that God is, is laying before Jesus' early followers. And in it, we see how they successfully navigate this turn and they stay on track with how God is leading them. Here's the background which leads up to the story. It's a background which we're becoming familiar with as we've been looking at the book of Galatians. Because already in Galatians, we've seen that God, uh, sorry, not God, Paul, uh, was, was wrestling with the issues which we're now going to see um, in today's passage the whole early church wrestling with. You see, the first followers of Jesus lived in a very segregated world. For them, there were two kinds of people. There were Jews, those physically descended from Abraham, who, who uh, lived by the law of Moses and by the Old Testament scriptures, And then there was everyone else, those that the Jews called the goyim, or the Gentiles. And the lines, the the stratification between these two groups of people are strong at this time. They're they're set in concrete. Jews don't associate with Gentiles. Gentiles don't want much to do with Jews. Jews consider Gentiles to be 
unclean, impure, steeped in sinfulness. Gentiles consider Jews to be barbarians, to be unsophisticated and uncultured. Many Jews would not even touch a Gentile if they could help it, lest they become unclean themselves. They certainly would never eat with Gentiles because to eat with someone in that culture was to accept them as a true, uh, close, and trusted friend. Now, this might seem really prejudiced to us today, but for them it was just part of life. It was the way life was. It was what the Jews understood to be what God wanted from them. They were to be a holy people, a pure, set-apart people. And if they loved God, then they uh, understood that they needed to separate themselves from whatever was impure and unclean, and this included Gentiles. And this belief was rooted in their scriptures. The Old Testament, which, remember, is their Bible. They don't have the New Testament. It, it forbid them to eat food that was not kosher. Uh, unclean meats like pork and seafood, meats which were not slaughtered properly, meats mixed with dairy, foods prepared or served on unclean dishes, and of course foods which had first been offered to pagan idols and then served, which uh, was a regular custom among the Gentiles at that time. Now, with, with all of that, how could a Jew possibly have a meal with Gentiles who observed none of these regulations? Any meal would be full of landmines and, and full of defilements. And then there were the Old Testament laws about touching defiled objects and defiled people. Anyone who had a bodily discharge was unclean. Anyone who touched a dead person or a dead animal was unclean. Anyone who went into a house containing mildew was unclean. And what's more, anything these people touched was unclean. So how could you hang around Gentiles who didn't pay attention to any of this stuff? They were probably unclean much of the time, and so was their stuff and their furniture. So to be a godly person, a holy person, if you were a Jew, was to keep yourself pure. It was to keep yourself separate, and so this meant separate from Gentiles. Now again, this might seem extreme to us, but it was as normal to them as eating cereal for breakfast. Their whole lives, they had lived this way. They had been taught this way. It was hardwired into their brains and into their culture. And then God comes along all of a sudden and starts messing with it. God gives Peter, the apostle, a vision saying, Go down and visit a Gentile man, a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Stay at his house and accept his hospitality. Don't call anything unclean, which I have called clean. And, and Peter goes. And, and Peter tells this Gentile centurion and his whole family about Jesus when he gets there. And they believe in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, God's own presence, falls on them just like he had on the Jews at Pentecost. And Peter's like, wow, God's accepting the Gentiles. And then later, there's this Jewish group of Jesus followers in a Gentile city called Antioch. And they're telling people about Jesus. And they're kind of rebels in Antioch. They're innovators. And so they also start telling Gentile people about Jesus. And, and the Gentiles start believing in Jesus. And, and the Jewish church up in Jerusalem, they hear about this and they aren't sure what to think about it. 
So they send a trusty leader named Barnabas down to investigate things. And Barnabas realizes when he gets there that God is in on this too. And so Barnabas encourages it. He gives it his approval. And he goes and he finds a guy we know named Paul, whom Jesus had appeared to sometime before. And and Jesus had told Paul that, that one day... Paul would take the message about Jesus to the Gentiles. And so Barnabas goes, he finds Paul, and he tells him, Paul, it's happening. It's begun in Antioch. The Gentiles are coming to Jesus. Come and see. Come be a part of it. Come help me teach these people and lead these people. And so Paul goes. And then later, the, the church in Antioch says, you know, there are so many other Gentiles that need to know Jesus too. And the Holy Spirit directs them to send Paul and Barnabas as a mission team out to other places to tell other Gentiles about Jesus. And they go, and Gentiles believe in city after city, and God does miracles, and God shows these these Gentiles that Jesus is real through those miracles, and God's Holy Spirit fills these Gentiles as he had Cornelius' household. And so you step back, and you, you look at all these events, And you think, wow, God is on the move here. God is doing something new, something huge. Breaking down these racial, ethnic barriers. Opening up his kingdom, his family, to Jews and to Gentiles too, to all peoples. And and there are a few early adopters who who are going along with this. There's, There's Peter and there's Paul and there's Barnabas and there's some others in the church of Antioch. But not all of Jesus' followers are seeing it this way with rosy-colored glasses. Many of them are not very comfortable at all with what is going on here. After all, results are nice. Results are impressive. But just because something works doesn't mean it's biblical. And just because there are spiritual manifestations doesn't mean they're from God. I mean, there are evil spirits, too, who try to lead us astray. And so these people say, we have to test all things by the word of God. And as far as some of these Jesus followers are concerned, what is happening and the way it's happening is not at all biblical. And so some of these believers take it on themselves to try to correct what they see as as a big problem brewing in the church at that time. They go from Jerusalem down to Antioch, which has become the epicenter of this new thing, and, and Paul and Barnabas are back in Antioch now from their first missionary journey to all the Gentiles that they went out in various cities and told about Jesus. And um, these believers from Jerusalem who go down to Antioch, they start teaching that Jesus came to save the Jews, that he's the Jewish Messiah. And it's great if the Gentiles want to believe in Jesus too and to be saved as long as they're willing to become Jews. Because to be saved is to be a part of, of God's holy people. It's uh, to be circumcised because God's people are circumcised. Circumcision is what sets off God's people from the pagan Gentiles. Circumcision was the symbol that God gave to Abraham, that God gave to Moses, of what it means to be one of God's own. And, and the other way people were, God's people were different from the other nations was that they obeyed the Bible, the Old Testament at that point. So God's people lived like Jews, ate like Jews, followed the Jewish calendar. And so to to receive salvation, these people from Jerusalem have come down to Antioch in our teaching. To receive salvation means to believe in Jesus and to become a Jew. 
for these Jerusalem believers, there's only one kind of Christian. There's, there's a Jewish one. That's um, the way it's always been. There's never been any other kind of Christian. So how could someone be anything else? How could a pagan, unclean Gentile follow the Jewish Messiah, become part of God's people, God's kingdom, unless they converted to Judaism and kept the Bible? And so this is what these people from Jerusalem are, are teaching. And when they start teaching it in Antioch, Barnabas and Paul, it doesn't take very long, and they're arguing with them about this. They're saying, no way, the Gentiles can follow Jesus just the way they are as Gentiles without becoming Jews. And they're arguing back and forth, and, and the leaders of the church in Antioch say, okay, okay, hold on. This is a hard question, and we don't know who's right here. Let, let's ask the leaders up in Jerusalem what they think. After all, that's where this whole Jesus thing started. The apostles who knew Jesus face-to-face are there, who were taught by Jesus. And the elders are up there from, from the first church, the mother church. Let's go ask them, because we don't know enough to figure this out by ourselves. And besides, even if we did, if, if the people in Jerusalem don't agree with what we're doing down here, we're going to get in hot water with them. We're kind of rebels and renegades anyway. So that's what happened. The early church is is facing a fork in the road, and they don't know which way to turn. And notice, this comes up not because they're bored and they're looking for a good religious topic to argue about. No, this comes up because God is at work. It comes up because these people are engaged with God on God's mission, and God is leading his disciples to invite Gentiles to follow Jesus. And lots of Gentiles are responding. And the question now is, now what? And So a council takes place up in Jerusalem about this matter. The original apostles are there. The elders, the leaders of the Jerusalem church are there. And Paul and Barnabas have been sent there as representatives for the church in Antioch. So Paul and Barnabas get there, and they start telling those in Jerusalem everything God's been doing, how the Gentiles are deciding to follow Jesus, and miracles are happening, and the Holy Spirit is falling on these people, and churches are popping up in all these cities all around the Roman Empire, and everyone who hears these stories is amazed and encouraged. Then in verse 5, some believers stand up and say, yeah, that's great, but here's the thing. You wouldn't believe what's going on in those Gentile churches. The uncleanness, the impurity, the paganism. It's a travesty. They're they're not obeying God's word in these churches. If we let this go on, it will will spread and God's people are going to become sinful and unholy and pagan. And what will separate us off from the rest of the peoples of the earth? And, And Luke tells us that these believers who are arguing this way are from the party of the Pharisees. Now, we know about the Pharisees from the gospel stories, right? If you've ever read about Jesus. They were often critical of Jesus, but but evidently some of them wound up believing in Jesus. And and these guys, of course, they know their Bibles, they're passionate, they're sold out for Jesus. And and they point out what the Bible says as they understand it, that, that God's people eat kosher, they keep the Sabbath. God's people keep the Passover, which they now know points to Jesus. God's people celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles and Pentecost, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Day of Atonement. And uh, that's what it means to be God's people. That's what's in their Bible. Everyone's known this their whole lives. And God's word was clear, for instance, if you want to eat the Passover, you have to be circumcised first. Exodus 12, 48. 
But the Gentiles, they, they don't eat like God commands. They don't celebrate these holidays. And, and if they want to be a part of us, these Pharisees are saying, they're, they're going to have to become like us. They're going to have to obey God's word like we do. Gentiles are unclean. And, and so how can they hang around God's people without defiling everything unless they become Jews and start living clean, godly lives? Well, there's the conflict. There's, there's the question that this council has to grapple with. And, and look what happens in verse 7. This probably won't surprise you. There was much discussion, right? Can you just imagine? There was much discussion. Because this is serious stuff. This matters, and people have opinions on it. Well, Luke spares us all this discussion, thankfully. He, he just gives us the high points, the key statements which lead toward the conclusion that they eventually reach. So first, Peter speaks, Luke tells us. Peter tells about how God led him to go and preach the gospel to the, the Gentile Cornelius. And he points out that what, what uh, or, or sorry, he points out that God did for Cornelius and for Cornelius' household just what God had done for the Jews. God gave them his Holy Spirit. God came and was present with them and in them. And they, they hadn't become Jews before God did this. God accepted them right as they were, as Gentiles. And so Peter asks, how could this have happened? How could the holy God come and be present among these unholy people, this Roman centurion of all things, and his family? And, and, and Peter concludes in verse 9, God must have purified these Gentiles' hearts by faith, their faith in Jesus, their faith in the message I brought them. And then he says to, to these Pharisees who want the Gentiles to become Jews, he says, if God's already done this, if, if God's already come among them just as they are, why make them become Jews too after the fact and start keeping Moses' law? After all, they, they, rather, after all, we Jews, Peter says, haven't even managed to keep that law very well. Keeping the law doesn't save us Jews no, verse 11, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. It's through the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we Jews are saved just as those Gentiles are. Now, I want you to notice something here. Peter is not arguing from Scripture. He's arguing from experience. Not his private experience, but the experience of what God has done and, and how God has clearly led among a group of Jesus' followers. Now, what the Bible says about this is going to be important, but we're not there yet in the discussion. Right now, Peter is, is looking at what God is doing around him. Well, then um, Paul and Barnabas speak next, and, and they add to this in verse 12. They tell everyone again about all the miracles and the signs that God has done uh, through them to the, for the Gentiles. That God is up to something big here and they want everyone to take into account what God is doing. And then James speaks, verse 13. And James finally brings in the scripture. He says that the prophets are in agreement with what Peter and Paul and Barnabas are describing. That the scripture agrees with what God has been doing and what Peter has concluded that it means. And so James quotes from Amos 9, 11, and 12, which foretells of the day when God would restore the kingship to a descendant of David so that all the Gentiles could seek God. 
James says, see, God predicted he would do this, and now he's doing it. God's doing it. So let's get on board with what God's doing. Do you see how Peter and James and Paul and Barnabas, do you see how their eyes are on the road? They're they're looking, they're, they're taking note of what God is doing in front of them. And they're trying to keep up. They're trying to keep in step with what God is doing. And, and yes, they check the scriptures. They, they say, hey, let's make sure the Bible supports this. That we're not off track in how we're interpreting what God's doing here. We always want to do that. The Bible is our measuring stick. It, to test everything that we think God is saying. Because if, if we think God is telling us something and it contradicts God's word, what God has already told us, then, then we must have heard from God wrong. But for those Pharisees, they had to think again about what the Bible actually said. Because they were interpreting it wrong. As passionate and as knowledgeable as they were about God's word, they were still missing what God was doing right in front of their faces. And they had to realize that God's word didn't mean what they thought it meant. That... They needed to get their eyes back on the road to see what God was doing and to correct their interpretation of the Bible. In this case, God was tearing down deep-seated prejudices and and racial barriers. God was radically rearranging who was in and who was out and welcoming a whole new group of people who up to that time had been rejected and looked down on. That's what grace will do. And thankfully, people like Peter and Paul and Barnabas and James had their eyes on the road at this this huge curve, and and they helped the church to to navigate it and to keep on track with what God was doing. And this decision here changed everything for the early church. Imagine if it had gone the other way. Imagine if if the assembly had decided that, that no, to be Christian, you, you had to become a Jew first. I can assure you, as much as Jews were prejudiced against Gentiles, there were just as many Gentiles who looked down on Jews. And and if to follow Jesus, the Gentiles had to become Jewish, to be circumcised, to keep all those strange and foreign food laws and holidays, then most of the Gentiles wouldn't have done it. They would have said, no thanks, you keep your Jewish Jesus, he's not for us. And Christianity would have remained a small, obscure Jewish sect. And so likely most of us would not be here today. And so let's think just for a second about how this might apply to us today. This principle we see here. Just as one example, does a liberal have to become a conservative to follow Jesus? Or does a conservative have to become a liberal to follow Jesus? Make that rule and you've immediately ruled out half the population of this country from salvation. No, Jesus is bigger than our prejudices and our divisions. That's why his apostles insisted that there's one church, there's one faith, there's one Lord, though we come from many different backgrounds. We all come as equals. We're all invited into God's family. Not, Not because we deserve it or because we're better or more holy than they are, but just because of God's grace. The ground is level at the foot of the cross for all of us. So question, if we're all saved as different as we are by grace, does this mean we can just keep living however we want? That there's no morality anymore, there's just grace? 
Not at all. The whole point of salvation, we follow Jesus, and Jesus wants to transform everything about us. We've turned away from going our own way and living however we want, and we want to figure out how Jesus wants us to live. And Jesus has plenty to say about how we live our lives, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what's, what's, what's happening in Acts 15 isn't about saying no to morality. It's about saying that people don't have to look a certain way or, or join a certain subculture in order to start following Jesus. That they can come as they are, as who they are right now, and, and Jesus will start changing them from there as they become a part of God's people and start walking with God's people in the direction Jesus is leading. Yet there are a, a few small things that the Jerusalem Council does ask of the Gentiles who've come to believe Jesus. There's four things, in fact, that they ask. They say, you can stay Gentiles, you, you don't have to become Jews, but please avoid these four things for us. Avoid food that's been sacrificed to idols, avoid sexual immorality, avoid meat from an animal that's been strangled, and avoid blood. Say what? <laughs> Does this seem like a random list or what? Why these four things of all the things? Well, guess what? No one's quite been able to figure out for sure why they picked these four things. Here's what we do know. All of these four were very offensive to Jews. And all of these things must have been common practice among Gentiles. We, we know much of the meat at the time was first sacrificed to Roman idols. Most butcher shops at that time were located in pagan temples. And uh, sexual immorality was also super common in that day, just like it is today. We're a little more fuzzy, though, about strangled meat and blood, what that means. We, we do know that, that God told the Jews in the Old Testament not to eat meat that was uh, uh, the meat of strangled animals because the blood was still in it. So what seems clear is that these four things were things that Gentiles did which were really offensive to Jews. And so the two best theories that I've heard about this are either that the Jerusalem Council forbids these four things so that Jews and Gentiles have a chance at, at getting along more easily so that they can eat together, so that these two very different cultures can begin to come together as one, especially around food and meals. Because meals are important, right? Uh, if you can't eat with someone, it's really hard to get close to them. And that was all the more true in that culture. So they, they've got to find a way for these two groups to be able to eat together. The, the other theory is that, that all four of these things had to do with idol worship. We know that there was often sexual immorality uh, which went on in the pagan temples as part of the worship there. We know that um, pagan sacrifices were sometimes strangled as part of the ritual. And there's some indication that the drinking of blood was sometimes also part of these pagan rituals. So it might be that, that the council is just saying, you can't follow Jesus and keep participating in pagan idol sacrifices. Again, we don't know for sure. But, but here's the thing. Whatever these four things mean, they, they seem to be a practical solution, a, a sort of compromise to make it easier for Jews to accept Gentiles as equal partners as part of God's people. The council isn't weighing in here on all the moral issues that Gentiles need to learn about. They have Jesus for that. They have Jesus' teaching, and the apostles are going to be writing them lots of letters, which we now have in our New Testament. 
The council is just trying to, at this point, smooth the way forward for Jews and Gentiles to be able to come together as one people of God. And so that's how the early church did it. Faced with a huge curve in the road. They didn't get to choose the road. God was calling the shots. God was at work. But what they got to choose was whether they were going to stay on the road and keep in step with what God was doing. To keep their eyes open, to keep their eyes on the road, to keep up with God's mission and God's grace as God was leading. I hope we can continue to do the same. To continue to learn to be spirit-sensitive and dependent. And to notice what God's doing around us, to embrace it and to participate in it. Let's pray. God, thank you that your heart was so big that it was big enough to include all the peoples and all the nations of the world. Your heart was even big enough to include people like us. We thank you for trailblazers like Paul and Peter and James who recklessly, faithfully followed wherever you led at great risk and uh, sacrifice to themselves. We thank you that they knew your heart, that they were able to keep their eyes on what you were doing and to follow your heart even while there was debate back and forth about interpreting scripture. Thank you that they had the big picture, that they had your heart in mind, that they understood your grace, that they understood the bigger thing you were, you were doing in bringing together one people from all nations. Thank you that uh, the story of what they did, their example, is here for us so we can learn to be those kinds of people too. I pray that that's what you would make us into. Amen.